We make things fight. We make things fight. Paranormal driving is a load of shite. Wow. Yeah. That's what you. That's what you came up with. That's what I came up with. Yeah. That's what you came up with. Then you spent how long doing that? Like uh, a week. About, about a week and a half. Yeah. About a week. A week and a half. Yeah. And that's what you came up with. Yep. That's what and I came up with. Huh? That is why Mike Myers won last time round. Fuck you. Introduce yourself. <laughs> Hello. I'm Matt Troy. And I'm Drew Davis. And welcome to We Make Things Fight, an occasional podcast where we take literally any two things and fight them to the bloody death and beyond. <clears throat> Today we're dipping our toes into the world of art criticism. Or should that be killicism? Yeah. Yeah. It's the transatlantic tussle of the dulcet daubers as we present to you the quietest, most softly spoken and oddly relaxing bloody battle of teeth and paintbrushes you ever felt kind of sleepy over. It's Bad Bob Ross versus Terrible Tony Hart. But first... Before we get on to the main event itself mm-hmm. and a little bit more explanation as to who our combatants are, we will indulge ourselves with the terrifying world of fight news. Yeah. Fights in the media this week. Drew, what well, have you got? Uh, well, I've kind of got the, the fight of the week for this week. Um, and the fight of the week is measles. Measles. Uh, this from EJ Dickinson at the Rolling Stone. Uh, the Free Wind Ship, a cruise ship that is owned by the Church of Scientology has reportedly been quarantined in the Caribbean island of St. Lucia due to a confirmed measles case. Wow. Um, not that fucking invincible then, are they? I know. I mean, they really should have got their thetans tested before they went on to the cruise ship. I mean, cruise ships, they're just... They're flowing Legionnaires' disease. <laughs> Houses, aren't they? Yeah, just got uh, air conditioning just running through there, which is where Legionnaires' disease lives, I believe. It is, it does. Uh, Imagine a disease that lives in air conditioning... Where did it live before? Uh, uh, well, I'm convinced, right, that what happens is that you just get all these diseased people living underneath um, air conditioning systems. The diseases then meet up in the air conditioning systems. They have a big disease orgy. Okay. And I think this is where like, where humanity is going to end, pretty much. So, I mean, but before air conditioning systems, were these sort of diseases, were they like chud diseases? Or they just lived in shit. They just lived in shit, and then they got, yeah. the shit got blasted around. Yeah, shit gets blasted around by uh, air conditioners. Yeah. I'm, I'm convinced that the disease that wipes out humanity is currently brewing somewhere in a call centre con- air conditioner. Oh, yeah, for you sure. Know, call centres are just fucking hotbeds for diseases. Yeah, everybody gets ill in an office with air conditioning. But this is measles. How do you catch measles? Um, I, You know what? I'm not sure. I know that it's highly communicable, but I'm not sure if it's kind of... If it's airborne or not, um, but you stuff but, a few hundred people into a into a sealed environment, uh, many of which uh, might have certain medical beliefs. I believe. Well, um, again, from the article by uh, E. J. Dixon, um, the Church of Scientology hasn't taken an official stance on vaccination, and Scientologists are not discouraged from seeking discouraged from seeking medical treatment from trained professionals. That said, some high-profile Scientology adherents, such as Kirstie Alley and Jenna Elfman, have publicly opposed mandatory vaccination. Oh, not Kirstie Alley. Kirstie Alley, man. Um, uh, At the risk of sounding political, I I think that um, mandatory vaccination is, yeah, is a thing. Uh, It should be enforced on everyone. And if you uh, don't get your kids vaccinated, it's like, yeah, okay, that's your choice, but um, you're not going out in public. Yeah, or getting on a cruise ship. Or getting on a cruise ship, for example. So is Measles that, winning this fight? Measles, I think, has won the fight. 
um, albeit temporarily. <laughs> I mean, oh, it, it made a it made a miraculous comeback in the third round. Yeah, and thanks to Kirsty Alley and 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 all, and all all of her friends Jim and Carrey. all those who sail with her. Jim Carrey, do I think Jim Carrey? Uh, I, I I could totally believe it with Jim Carrey. There are a lot of things. Jim Carrey says a lot of things. He's a he's a He's a strange man. God, very strange man. Um, so, um, moving swiftly on from the... What, what fightiness have you got for me? Well, I picked two stories. One of them turned out to be a little bit bleaker than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> but um, I might go with it anyway. I, yeah, I still want it. Yeah, so... Um, this is taken from the uh, that <laughs> flagship of, of British uh, news media, the Daily Star. Horror... <laughs> Horror, a circus performer killed by snake in front of kids. Right, okay. Yeah, so um, this is obviously in Russia. Um, Confusing, yeah. Obviously in Russia. I'm not saying that as being obviously in Russia. I think circus performer and snake. I'm thinking um, the American Midwest somewhere. Snake handlers. Snake handlers, yeah. I'm thinking, yeah, that's my immediate thought when you say snake and human. Yeah, I mean, I just feel that if somebody said to me that... uh, Snake was killed. A snake killed a man on on television in front of a lot of children. Oh, it was on television. I, yeah, I think so. Oh shit! I, it I mean, it, it was certainly filmed. <laughs> but anyway, the story is confusing, and contradictory reports coming from Russia suggest the circus animal trainer has been killed. Reports are backed up with a distressing video that appears to show a man performing with a large reptile, seemingly a python or boa constrictor, which suddenly overpowers him, with the audience apparently apparently under the impression. That it's all part of the act. He falls to his knees and gestures frantically for help. But as adults and young children look on, his arm movements become weaker and weaker. What What does a gesture for help look like? It just, <laughs> I, I, suppose, I suppose if you you know it when you see it. I, I think that you don't, and I think that's the problem. <laughs> that's the, that's the problem where the with issues it, come in. Is that I mean, what we need. I mean, what this story teaches us is we need to have clearer. Indications as to of help. this is not an act. This snake is killing me. Yeah, yeah. The you know? the, uh, the Tommy Cooper rule. Yeah, the, just... the, Tom, the Tommy Cooper rule. Also, I just love the fact that um, it clearly characterizes them as being uh, unconfirmed and conflicting reports from Russia. Yeah, that's that's how any other kind of reports from Russia. That's how the last ever news report <laughs> will start. <laughs> <laughs> you know? That's the second to last thing you hear before Joanna Lumley tells you about getting under your tables. <laughs> oh, if Joanna Lumley's telling me, I'm sure it can't be that bad. There's a Joanna Lumley connection actually in the show this week, you know, in, the, in the fight, I should say. I can see you've got some surprises for me. <laughs> Um, members of the circus team eventually uh, come and pull come and pull the snake off him. That's not good journalism. But then the man appears to be seriously injured. Not good Suddenly, journalism from the Daily Star. I know. Suddenly there are gasps from the audience as they realise the performer is in grave trouble. Some reports claim the snake tamer was killed in the incident. So we don't know if he was killed or not. Okay. So we'll we'll keep this one up in the air. I mean, either way, he's not having a good time. Yeah, I'm going to... I mean, I'll chalk this one to the snake. Um, I think that's fair enough. Yeah. Um, I mean, even if the, the, the snake handler survived, he is irreparably altered. Yeah. I mean, how as a snake handler, how often do you think you get into a 
grave situation <laughs> with a snake. <laughs> Obviously not enough to have developed it. Like scuba divers have a system, you know, that whole... They, they have a okay, hand signal. This is up, you know, that you think <laughs> yeah. that's good. And on the land, you stick your thumb up, it's a good thing. Yeah. But under the sea... It means I like, need to go up now Yeah, something's wrong with my oxygen, I need to escape. So are you suggesting, like, some kind of, like, whirring motion, if all is well? <laughs> and then, like, a... a a closed fist at the end <laughs> of an extended arm. <laughs> I'm, I'm just badly. saying, I, I want, I want the, the world to have better snake-based health and safety, that's all. <laughs> it's a system of hand signals, like a snake semaphore of some kind to let yeah. people know you're in danger. And I mean, if the snake has wrapped itself totally around your body, you may need to use your feet or, or eyes. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. it all comes down to the eyebrows then. Oh yeah, you can. Can you? You have to be able to kind of do that wiggle your eyebrows thing maybe, from left to right. <laughs> wiggle your eyebrows from left to right. Oh, no. That's just the way around that I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be safe. Okay. Uh, you got any other stories? Um, there's one other story which is uh, also man versus snake. Of a different kind. Is this one also surprisingly grim? You, you just like t- typed fights against nature into Google, thought, oh, that looks funny, and then you've realised that it is in fact terrifying and um, a sad story of uh, lack of health and safety. Yeah, this is uh, um, this is from the Daily Mirror. Um, a man was dashed to hospital yesterday after he shot himself in the penis, police say. <laughs> Snake related. Snake related. <laughs> Peter Jacobson alleged alleged twenty two point two two caliber gun dropped out of his pocket, hit the ground and fired on a busy street on Wednesday. Detectives believe. I I don't think that's the case. And I <laughs> I no I genuinely think that no modern gun is made that is that much of a hair trigger that you drop it and it'll just go off. What's this a really old gun? <laughs> just like a family heirloom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm a pistol. <laughs> Not my grandpa's gun! <laughs> uh, the bullet hit the 32-year-old's man- manhood man manhood in Lincoln, Nebraska. He has had treatment in hospital to gruesome injuries to his gentle Jesus. Local media reports. The man remains in a non-life-threatening condition in hospital, but has been charged with various offences. But he kind of hopes it would be. Hang on, what offences?! Well, uh, open carry. According to, according to Luke Bonkowitz, an officer. I'm not making this up. That's his name. An officer with the Lincoln Police Department said the botch shooting happened yesterday. Uh, sorry, on Wednesday at around eight forty-five near Brian West Campus, a medical center in the Irvingdale area of town. Oh, that's lucky. Police believe he was simply walking the streets when the gun fell out of his pocket. Jacobson has been charged on suspicion of discharging a firearm in the city. Possession That's the only thing weapon. he's discharging. <laughs> by, by a prohibited person. Okay, so he wasn't supposed to have a gun. He wasn't supposed to have the gun, okay. Um, yeah, so, so discharging a firearm in the city. Uh, I mean, that... Yeah, I mean, that's what happened. But it's not what you imagine happens when you hear that phrase. Well, no. The... Discharging a firearm in the city sounds like Something that like Hunter S. Thompson would have done in like a three day uppers binge. <laughs> you know, well, think... then, uh, like I, I'm just wondering how he was walking for it to fall out of his pocket, or like was he just wearing? It is. Just... It is so unlucky. Like the gun would probably have had to fall 
I'm guessing handle first out of his pocket onto the ground, hit the ground on maybe the back of the gun, and then somehow that that fired the gun. Which I I would assume you get you get shot in the ass by that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm no expert. If anybody is an expert, if anyone's done extensive research uh, on in, the dropping of guns and, and where in the body they're most likely to hit you, <laughs> please please let us know. We are dying to know. Please draw us diagrams. Yeah. So are we choking that one up for gun? <laughs> in the continuing fight of man versus gun. Are our winners this week just measles, gun and snakes? There are no human winners in this week's fight. Oh, God. Oh, can we move on to something a bit more relaxing? Let's. <laughs> okay, and straight now into this week's main event. The battle of the softly spoken artist, the entertainer that has put many a person to sleep, but in a good way. Maybe even a bad, bad way. way. Yeah. yeah, we will find out. So just to let you know, the categories this week are the usual categories, but we will tailor these categories every now and again to, uh, to better suit our fights. So we're gonna keep strength, intelligence, and resilience, but we're gonna change agility into agility. Yes, that's right. We went there. Um, and we're also, um, for a wild card, we've both decided that we're going to write on a piece of paper an object that we think will assist in the victory for these uh, two individuals. They are so, both masters of tools, after all. Yeah, they're masters so. of tools. They're good with their hands. Mm-hmm. So we are, we're going to go down that route. So we've both written uh, 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 something on a hidden piece of paper so the other person doesn't know what it is and we will be presenting it to the other person for our wild card round. So, without further ado, I'm going to introduce to you Mr. Tony Hart. Mm-hmm. Now, Tony Hart, um, those of you outside of the UK or maybe born this century may not be aware of him, but um, he was born... Um, on the 15th of October, 1925. He's best known as an artist, educator, and entertainer. And he's one of those individuals that truly represents the BBC in its purest form as part of Lord Reith's mandate for inform, educate, and entertain. Uh, for those who don't know anything about him, uh, can you, you can imagine if Sir David Attenborough is a posh tiger of the broadcasting world, then Tony Hart is the house cat that sits by the fireplace during the long, cold winter outside. That was, uh, <laughs> I thought that was a good way of describing no, I like, it. Yeah, okay, I like that. Uh, just a side note, yeah, I mean, I really love David Attenborough. I think that he, like, too, obviously has been a national treasure for so long. And I think that they should just let him pick any animal, any animal he wants, and just let him have sex with him. <laughs> I think so clearly he's wanted to do. I think he's earned that. Over the, um, I've got an audiobook of his first autobiography. <laughs> yeah. And he spends a lot of time in a village called Minge. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And it is just fantastic to hear him say the word Minge about... <laughs> Where is Minge? <laughs> I, I can't remember. It's a long time since I've read the audiobook. Oh, someone's going to isolate that, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> Use that against <laughs> us in the future. <laughs> yeah, I really think he's earned that. Anyway, sorry. The sidetrack slightly there. Um, back to Tony. Uh, he was originally an officer... Uh, in the Gurkha regiments um, until Indian uh, independence when he became involved in children's television for the rest of his career, presenting such shows as Blue Peter, Take Heart and Heartbeat, I'm using his surname there, mm, of course, yeah. to good effect. 
He is also credited with designing the iconic ship lo logo for the British um, flagship uh, children's television program, Blue Peter. I genuinely did not know that. He did that, yeah. Um, he was interested in art all of his life and studied at the uh, Claysmore School, uh, an independent school for boys and girls in Ewanminster in Dorset, England. Uh, denied entry to the RAF due to a slightly deficient eyesight, he, was in he instead joined the British Indian Army and gained an officer's commission in the 1st Gurkha Rifles. And Gurkhas, by the way, uh, for those who don't know, are a group of elite soldiers of Nepalese nationality uh, recruited into the British, Nepalese, Indian and a few other countries' armies. Um, they're renowned for their fierceness in combat, exemplified, and this is, this is a great bit of fight, fight news here, um, exemplified as recently as 2010 when one Gurkha combatant, uh, Diprasad Pun, single-handedly defeated 30 Taliban soldiers was helping guard the roof of a checkpoint. When he ran out of ammo, a Taliban soldier climbed onto the roof to get him, only to be hit in the face by a machine gun tripod that Pun had thrown at him. <laughs> badass. So that, yeah, I know. <laughs> so that gives you an idea of um, the kind of um, regiment that, that, that Tony was serving alongside there as an officer. It's also kind of a case of humans reclaiming one from guns. Yeah, <laughs> it is, yeah. <laughs> Take that, guns. <laughs> as a TV presenter, he enthralled children with simple but elegant pieces of art, and in many of his shows uh, featured a gallery which displayed art sent in each week by the children, uh, sometimes based on ideas he had taught them in previous weeks. It's a very wholesome, beautiful uh, television program, very gentle um, and he received two BAFTAs for his uh, travel as well, British Academy Film and Television Award. Um, one in 1984 for uh, Children's Educational Program for Take Heart, and he received a Lifetime Achievement Award in 1998. Uh, Tony Hart died peacefully on the 18th of January 2009, aged 83. That is Tony Hart. We'll be mm -hmm. posting a picture of him alongside Bob Ross mm -hmm. on our Instagram feed, which we'll tell you to get to later. I don't think I need to really tell many people who Bob Ross is um, since his heyday in from the eight, from the early 80s to the early 90s or so. He was pretty much all over the world. Yeah. And I think in the internet age, he's kind of developed this new, newfound popularity and and just people kind of unironically loving him for how kind of wholesome oh, yeah. he is and how relaxing he is, especially amongst like the, the ASMR community. Oh, and yeah. I know how much you hate... I am. Like, I have a big problem with the SMR. It creeps me out. Yeah, it's I, the I, whispering, isn't it? I don't like. I don't like sexy words. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the sexy words and soft clicking. Just <laughs> yeah, it's the I I, I it's the same thing with vocal fry. I I'm 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 okay with it, but I hate things that sound sexy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, you must really hate me. I'm, 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 I'm kidding. I've got the least sexy voice in the world. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I've got um, Bob's introduction right here. So, uh, Robert Ross was born in Daytona Beach, Florida in 1942 and entertained himself as a child by single-handedly nursing sick animals back to health. Oh, Jesus. Yep. Uh, <laughs> just, like, from the very beginning, just this, this absolute angel. Um, uh, even though he lost part of his finger in a carpentry accident in his teens, uh, that didn't prevent him from enlisting in the US Air Force at age 18. He served as first sergeant at Ailson Air Force Base in Alaska, where he developed his famous painting technique over his 20 years of service. Wow. So he did want to be able to paint quickly. And uh, the kind of wet on wet, mm -hmm. so you 
white on the canvas first and then paint straight onto it with oil paint. Yeah. It's an incredibly quick way of, of painting. Oh, wow. Um, so after leaving the military, he became a traveling art salesman and instructor until he formed his own company, which he was able to turn into the $15 million Bob Ross Incorporated. Um, he is famous permed hairstyle yeah. was a result of him being unable to afford haircuts in the uh, in the early days in the early days I'm assuming Bob, Bob Ross because haircut doesn't cost that much yeah, I mean, doesn't cost that got much got 15 million in the bank he liked, he liked crew cuts I think that's pretty much just like give me a haircut and they say okay what, what kind of haircut do you want you just go just a haircut it's the crew cut you get yeah and I think that is the, the like beginner's level haircut right um <clears throat> The origins of his painting instructional TV show, yeah. The Joy of Painting, are unclear. <laughs> unclear. It, unclear. It was, okay. it was filmed at a studio in Muncie, Indiana. Yeah. Oh, Muncie. Yeah. What a It ran on PBS in America and various television stations throughout the world from 1983 to 1994. Um, recently, Twitch Create. Um, to celebrate its launch, uh, Twitch, the online streaming service where people just like, I don't know, play Fortnite with their tits out. I understand that's that's a big part of Twitch. <laughs> that is what I understand happens. Yeah. Um, so they ran every Joy of Painting episode end to end. Wow. Nine days. Nine solid. Nine days. solid twenty-four hour days. Wow. Um, in the internet age, he has found a new measure of popularity for his gentle, soothing voice and ironic wholesomeness. And presumably the cold steel in his eyes, which makes it patently obvious that he can whip your more fathering weirdo in a heartbeat. I see what you did there. You see what I did there. I see what you did there. Okay, so I guess we get down to this. Let's get down to this. Let's get down to brass tacks. Category one, as always, is strength. Um, now, obviously, it's not quite as simple to kind of categorise their strength as it was with Jason Voorhees and Michael Myers, our previous combatants, because there's no real record of them ripping people's spines out or paranormally fucking driving. Actually, um, did you say <laughs> paranormal driving? No, I, I was going to say that, that Tony Hart did actually rip someone's uh, spine out in Korea, but... Um... <laughs> There's no evidence for that. There's no evidence for There's it. There's a rumour I'm keen on starting, though, if anybody wants to... Well, the Tony Hart once ripped a man's spine out in Korea. Yeah. I didn't know he was in Korea. Well, he, he, was... he served in the... Uh, after he finished in the, the Gurkhas, he served as a, um, in the Territorial Army in, the, in artillery uh, during the Korean War. I don't know if he actually went to Korea or not. I okay. probably should have researched that beforehand, but he definitely did rip someone's spine out in Korea. Okay, well, uh, Bob Ross once uh, ripped off a saber cat's tooth and stabbed it through the eye. What's the saber cat the, through? Um, saber cat, you know, one of those it's a long thought dead long, prehistoric cats with definitely the long tooth dead. in front. Yeah, yeah, it is now. Bob Ross killed it. <laughs> yeah, well, Tony Hawk killed the mammoth. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that we, we're going to be at an impasse here because, I mean, these, these two, we know that they can handle themselves. Like, I'd love to see 1940s Tony Hart with his sleeves rolled up, you know, Queensbury rules Rose, yeah. in some bar in, in northern India, like cracking the, the face off some... Some some bastard who really deserved it. Well, you know, it's going to be some kind of, like, to the manor born fucking officer by name only kind of yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. A guy who's all teeth Get and nose. His... Yeah, yeah. How um... dare you? <laughs> Why, I never, sir. 
Um, so yeah, and again, so uh, Bob Ross would have been in the military in towards the end of the fifties. So the, okay. there was the, although he was based in Alaska, there's Vietnam. I've got some things to say about Alaska. Okay, later on, but you you're not twenty years in the U.S. Air Force without being good at it. Yeah, and. Bob Ross made comments along the lines of how he didn't ever want to be the mean guy anymore after leaving the military. Okay. And he's quite famous for saying that um, he um, said that if he ever left the military, he was never going to raise his voice again. Wow. So, yeah, I've got I've got some things, like I said, to say about Alaska later on. You don't get a, a nickname like Whispering Bob Ross. You don't get a nickname like Whispering Bob Ross. He's, he's a man who knows how to walk and talk softly because he doesn't need to raise his voice anymore. That is true. So, yeah, I think strength is a very tough one to call because there's definitely something in both of their bearings yeah. that says, like, you don't, you, there's no need for you to mess with me. Yeah. But I wouldn't. Yeah. You know? Just because one of them paints and wears a cravat and the other one paints and has a, a big, soft, beautiful brown cloud of an afro above his head. And, and, can often you know? be, and it can often be found just cradling squirrels and, yeah. and various small birds. Yeah. It's like quite often, a Joy of Painting episode will begin with him j- just there holding a squirrel. Like, like I imagine Superman would be, kind of. Like, he comes down to earth and animals just flock to him. Yeah. It's uh, it, it is that sort of um, thing of the you know the quiet guy in a fight you know mm. the guy who's standing back and you want to know what he's gonna do and then he comes in and whoops everyone's ass yeah and, and you they, know it's gonna be good they both got that kind of yeah and to look at the sort of pictures of a young Tony Hart you know he's got that and the same for Bob Ross as well mm. he's got that sort of wiry bag full of snakes kind of strength you know <laughs> yeah. to bring snakes back into it again yeah, yeah um I think this is this is gonna be too tough to call I mean I can see the strengths of Bob here you know serving time in the Air Force is gonna be good. I can see that, you know, Tony grew up in a in a turbulent time, and he joined. Mm-hmm. You know, he was an officer of a very elite unit, and I'm uh, sure yeah, they the, the, trained with these guys. The, the Gurkhas never have fucked around. They have they, never so. fucked around. Yeah, they are, uh, you know, a famous. Like I would say, you know, on on the, on the, the face of things, that Bob Ross probably is has got the you know the strength over Tony, but at the same time, like you know, Tony's got tricks. It, yeah, and I think that, and, and it's also a question of being able to use their strength as well. Yeah. So yeah, I, th- I think you know. Can well, we mutually agree that this one is kind of down the middle then? I think we can. I think we can safely say that there is no easy way of telling who would win of these two in, a, in you know in, in a fight in their prime. Straight up, straight. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, we're calling that one down the middle. It's a draw. Hey, next up we've got agility or art agility, if you will. Um, <laughs> Nobody's laughing. N- no, nobody, nobody will. Um, so we are no art critics. Um, no. We very much know what we like. I know, yeah, I know what I like. Uh, yeah. Um, so we enlisted the aid of a good friend of ours who does know art. Yes. Um, Rihanna Thomas, professional artist. Yes. And uh, we've got some comments from her. We showed her two uh, paintings, one of Tony Hart, one of Bob Ross's, yeah. both of which will be available on our social media feeds. For you to check out. I will say that um, I'm sure that Tony actually did produce better, you know, I know that he produced better art than this, but actually it's quite difficult at present to uh, to find 
a lot of Tony's artwork online on account of the fact that um, his website's art gallery is currently under some sort of maintenance. Um, yeah, I had a similar, I had a similar problem finding actual Bob Ross works of art online. Oh yeah, because he's just taught so many damn people how to paint. Yeah, and their paintings go up online saying Bob Ross painting when it's actually. Bob Ross style. A Bob Ross style painting. A yeah. Bob Ross instructed painting. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it, it's really, really difficult to find genuine pieces of his artwork. Yeah. So, um, we, we did ask uh, Rhea if she could record this for us, but she was exceptionally busy um, running an art business and looking after her young family. So, she's, she just sent us a message and I'm just going to kind of read out what she said. Um, hopefully, if we do have any art queries in the future, we can have her back to actually say her piece on this, but in this case, I'll just read it. So she begins. Okay, so these two works are just so different. Since one is a relatively quick pastel sketch and the other a perfectly finished oil painting, but for me, it's got to be the first. Tony Hart Standing Stones piece. I'm a huge fan of Bob Ross and spent many an hour watching his works come to life before my eyes on TV as a kid. But I think as I've developed as an artist, I'm more interested in the process rather than the end result. Tony's raw sketch has so much energy and atmosphere to it, especially when compared to the pristine stillness of Bob's Grey Mountain. It's not so much the medium that Ross uses. You can also, you can be so dynamic with oil paints. It's more the moment in time feel. Like you've captured a perfect sunset on a perfect lake near a perfect mountain. What Tony Hart does is make you feel like you're stood there in the elements. It's the same time of day as Grey Mountain, I'd say late sunset, but there's a feeling of life to the stones. It's progress on paper, a thought or image he had that, that he captured when, he when the moment took him. There are no airs and graces about it. It's rough and it's crude, but it's also not giving you the full story. My first reaction was he'd painted Stonehenge, but when you look again, there are too few stones. It's a hint of the place. You know the era and you think you know what he's trying to tell you, but it's open to interpretation. Unlike Grey Mountain, which leaves no room for the imagination. Damn, Ross's painting is that good that you don't need to think for yourself. You don't need to imagine any of your surroundings. The time, the weather, the location, it's all there for you in glistening, flawless beauty. The colours they use aren't too dissimilar from each other either. Pinks and olive greens, which don't even seem to go together until you see them on paper. The vibrancy of the Bob Ross pinks and the oranges make it a little sickly for my taste, but he's a genius at contradiction. A cold barren mountain set against the warmest of dusky summer skies. The heart piece is far more aggressive. He slapped on colour and yet you have this overwhelming sense of warmth and finesse to it. I'm also a big fan of rough edges. You can see where the image has trailed off. It's not as important to the artist as the centre, so he lets you carry on that with your with, carry on that with your own imagination. But Bob Ross, as the true Bob Ross style, takes you right to the edge of his world with visions of happy squirrels and watery reflections. He's so good that he's done it all for you. There's no need to think outside his box. That is beautiful. Yep. Thank you very much for that, Ray. <laughs> Thank you, Ray. Very much appreciated. Yeah. What can I say? Um, now, I know she says that her personal preference is for Tony Hart. But she really, really gives us a lot for Bob, too. Uh, yeah. Um, it's, it's all about a matter of, of personal preference and their styles, really, isn't it? That's right. And, <clears throat> you know, the, the, the praise that has been given there as well, it's incredibly difficult to, uh, to still... Um, you know, kind of draw that line that you need to draw. Mm. And as much as it, it pains me to do so, so I want to gain the edge, 
I don't think we can allow this one to. No, no, there's there's no winner here. There's is no there, winner, is there? Apart from maybe snakes again. Yeah, um, somehow snakes will win. <laughs> eating eating those happy little squirrels, <laughs> biting your leg at the hinge. God damn, we can't have anything nice coming. <laughs> no snakes around. We can't snakes and guns, or snakes with guns. Snakes, snakes with measles wielding guns. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> measles ridden snakes. Okay. Call, call this one a draw. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I refuse. We can't let any of the other ones come down as draws. No, but, no. But we, need, we need to stop picking winners and stop copping out. We do need to stop copping out, but this is always going to happen. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, anyone listening kind of at the moment sees that neither of us has particular hatred for the other person's opponent. No, this we, we, can't, we just can't muster up the... This the, is not the a faceless violent killer. energy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these are not faceless teenager murderers. <laughs> The, the, the national treasures of their respective nations that have made us relax. <laughs> Why did we do this? I don't know. Anyway, we're drawing it. We're drawing it. Let's move on. God damn it. So, next up, intelligence. Which of these softly spoken wonders is the smartest, the okay. wiliest? Right. And I think there's, again, quite strong... This is going to be a close one. There's going to be... we definitely need to find a winner in this. They've both got good business acumen. Great business acumen. Both they, plenty of money. Yeah. A lot... An, an awful lot of money. Yeah. Um, Doing something that they enjoyed, which... Yeah. Lucky, lucky fuckers. Yeah, but yeah. not lucky fuckers, because they've got... They were the discipline to do it. Yeah. They the made skills. the sacrifices to do it. And yeah. skills that they built themselves to do it. So how do you want to present this? What's your sort of idea on Bob, then, and his... His business skills. Well, like I said, through kind of borrowing and people just believing in his skills, he was able to build Bob Ross Incorporated into this $15 million business. And, okay. and the Joy of Painting was kind of intended as an advert for that. So he built himself as a brand before that was even really a thing. Okay. Um, I'm not sure if he was party to it though in, in that I don't think that was his design to make himself a brand and to right. make himself the face behind it um, what was his goal um, to sell painting stuff sell painting to, stuff to sell painting so supplies paint. and, yeah I and mean, to teach his technique as a means of selling his stuff that, uh, so, that, that is fine uh, and I get where he's coming from there but I think that sort of you know the the, the gathering of wealth should not be the goal for these two people. Mm. Uh, both of them have done well. I don't know the net worth of Tony Hart. I'm assuming that he was very comfortable from mm. his years working at the, the BBC and didn't particularly want for anything in life. No. But, you know, to gather a huge sum of money, a fortune, um, doesn't see, seems to be counter what we're coming at here with these two guys. Mm. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at Tony. Tony had a, a great education um he was uh, he attended all saints margaret street resident choir school and then claysmore school in dorset uh where art was his best subject mm. and after the army uh he um went to he studied art at maidstone college for art which became the kent institute of art and design and is now the maidstone campus of the university of creative arts and he graduated in 1950 and after working as a display artist in London, he became a freelance artist. Mm. Uh, he broke into broadcast television work after his brother um, uh, persuaded him to attend a party where he met uh, a, a BBC children's uh, television producer and drew a fish on a napkin. Um, while the producer was looking for paper, Hart became 
uh, resident artist uh, on the Saturday special program who went on to have an illustrious that, career of it. That kind of sounds like how Mrs. Doubtfire got her TV show at the end of Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> I think would make a great Mrs. Up. Doubtfire, actually. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if, if we're basing intelligence on formal education, then I'm going to give Tony the nod. Um, so Bob left school in ninth grade I, I don't know what that is in British okay or I, I don't know what that <laughs> is in age and pence. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't know what that is in old money um, so he left uh, education to be a carpenter's apprentice with his dad okay which is where he lost his finger oh yeah and from there everything is kind of self-taught there's no kind of formal education I, I appreciate um, that as well again this is it's tough because we love them both uh, but I, I think the evidence is there for Tony as well Tony taught himself a lot of these uh, methods he did a lot of, it, of his own work as well it is hard and i'm woe to sort of um put someone's worth down to their formal education uh, yeah yeah i know what you mean it's, it's kind it, of this is aggregate mm, this is this this too close to call yeah we've got we've got to have a winner we've, we've got, got we've, to have a line um so yeah okay let's draw the line and give tony a point a point yeah a point yeah on intelligence okay Oh, that sounds really bad. No, it's going to be four, four and five. We're giving. We're going to give it yeah, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Tony so, gets five. If if only. We'll give Bob Ross four point five. We'll give Bob Ross four point five. Yeah. Because yeah. we have to draw the line <laughs> somewhere. It's half a point in it. And this round goes to Mr. Hart. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Next round is resilience, and I think I've actually got a bit of ammo for Bob on this. So we've mentioned the kind of physical difficulties he went through yeah. so losing his finger yeah um while apprenticing with his uh, dad yeah. in carpentry so that uh, the fact that he was able to go through 20 years of military service and then a career in painting yeah which is something that you need your damn hands for yeah i think that speaks to his resilience but there's something else about bob okay so i'm gonna level with you my, myself and producer Cass, um sitting beside me right now not eating cheese puffs even though she wants to eat, the, though cheese wants to eat the cheese puffs. You can. You can. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, um, <clears throat> we listen to Bob Ross quite a lot to go to sleep. He okay. Help. He, he helps still, even now. Um, it, it's just the, from because of what I said earlier, just the, the wholesomeness of it, and he just creates these little worlds where there's nothing that's bothering you that okay. can just help you sleep. It's proven to be a great aid to us and just kind of help, helping us to to sleep yeah um but when you're not looking at the paintings and you're just listening to his words yeah these little things creep in so he'll often do mountain scenes uh, he does quite a lot of he mount- does love a mountain he scene. does love his mountain scenes and he does a lot of things that are based kind of in cold climate okay while he's doing these mountain scenes yeah. in his cold climate, he just little shades of darkness will creep in. And he'll talk about things like how in this world you have absolute power. And like in this world you can do whatever you want. Just watch a couple of episodes of Jerry Painting. They're all on YouTube. So, And you will see exactly what he means. Are you saying that... I'm saying that something happened... In Alaska. You're saying there's well, more was... than just a happy little bush in that I'm land. saying there's more than just a happy little bush there. Taking that, taking the things he says about painting these Arctic scenes and his resolve to never raise his voice again and never be the mean guy again, 
he did things in Alaska that he did not want to do. If and you was start uncovering to. the fact that Bob Ross was Alaska's most prolific serial killer, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I, I don't want to do that, and I'm, I'm probably just connecting dots that aren't there because it's the way my mind works. But I, I firmly believe that something happened in, in Alaska. Alaska. And the fact that he was able to build this this empire and make so many people happy, regardless of what was underneath it, although I really don't want to make Bob Ross sound like nothing but a money-grubbing no. bastard. But, and I don't think anyone would think that about Bob Ross uh, No, no. It's impossible to believe that about him. Yeah. But I, I definitely think that just through these hints, something happened up there. Something dark. Something dark. In the cold, in the long winters of Alaska. Winter came. Winter came. Um, Bob Ross survived. Not that Tony Hart didn't go through the ringer and it didn't have shit. Of course, yeah. I mean, I don't... To be honest with you, I kind of knew that this was going to be Tony's weak weak point. And I'm not saying that to any detriment to Tony, the man, uh, worked hard and he, he was in a tough... Tough military unit, and he rejoined the army after um, he came back to the UK. He was no, he wasn't shy of this kind of stuff, you know. Mm. It, this was a, a portion of his life that he devoted to. He, he doesn't have the same amount of time that the the Bob does in the in in the forces, but you know, like I said, he was uh, a particularly sort of uh, tough run that, that that he would have gone through. Um, but yeah, um, post that, I guess it was. I mean, he obviously had his ups and downs. They're not as public as, as Bob Ross's ups and downs. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know much about the state of Tony Hart's mental health, but I like to think that anybody who kind of goes into this sort of, uh, this industry, this, this um, what's the word I'm looking for here? This, this sort of, uh, this field, this vocation. Yeah, vocation, yeah. They've got things. They, they want a peaceful life. They want to mm-hmm. exist in a peaceful world. Yeah. Um, after having, you know, seen some, some things in their past. Um, but yeah, I just don't think that, you know, it's close. Like I said, their lives are, are remarkably weirdly close. Yeah, they really are. The, the, almost as if we've discovered an archetype. Mm, like, yeah. You know, this, this, the, the, the gentle... The gentle military artist. Um, <laughs> <laughs> An archetype of two. Yeah. <laughs> so, um... I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna put it out here right now. I'm gonna concede this one okay. to um, to Bob, and we're gonna. We're just gonna have to take it to wild cards. Yeah, it's it's gonna have to be, isn't it? Yeah. Let's go to the wild Something cards. Happened in the snow. Something dark happened in the snow. Some Fargo type shit happened up in the snow. Yeah. Okay, so picture the scene. Mm. We've got one man who served in Alaska for a number of years. He's used to the cold. He's used to hardship. Got another man who served in northern India, possibly in a Himalaya sort of environment. Mm-hmm. Um, he's used to hardship. He he's used to being trained with some of the most elite forces. They they stumble across a log cabin together, and light a fire. They get chatting, and somehow things get a little dark, and they've got something hidden on their person. Mm. One thing hidden. And um, I know what mine is, and you know what yours is. Mm-hmm. Do you want to turn over your piece of paper? We'll do it together. One, three, two, two three. one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So, 
um, for for your benefit, we've um, we've we've said from the beginning that these two are incredibly similar. Mm-hmm. Like that, we've we stumble across maybe a, a, some kind of archetype that we've uh, found kindred kindred spirits, and uh, we've basically got the same thing. Uh, yeah, so Matt has a kuklin, which is a it's like a it's a Gurkha curved fighting knife, Gurkha curved knife, kind of like what Braun uses in Game of Thrones. Nice, and um, you've picked, and uh, Bob Ross has a Bowie knife on him. He's got a Bowie knife. The, um, Bob the... Ross uses knives in his painting quite a lot, so I think he'd be quite handy with a blade. I mean, they are palette knives, but well, um, yeah, he's he's not he's no slouch. The the classic American um, cavalry weapon, the Bowie knife. Yeah, and the classic Gurkha combat knife, the Kukri. So. What happens? I guess that <laughs> they embrace. The, um, I think it's one of those moments where they just kind of stab each other in the stomach and <laughs> hu- and hug each other. And then as wh- they die. And then what does he say? What What was Bob Ross's last words? Um, happy painting and God bless, my friends. Yeah, I guess that um, Tony would say something along the lines of, "Thus ends Norman Anthony." Hot. Holy shit, Norman. Yeah. Bob's middle name is Norman. (laughs) 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 We got like a Batman (laughs) vs. Superman (laughs) moment. (laughs) But my name is Norman. Norman too. (laughs) Oh, so they're there, sat like at the end of the thing, you know. (laughs) Just going to wait here and see what happens. See what happens. And then maybe one just like daub some paint onto the wall of the cabin some blood <laughs> from from his own wound and then maybe but it's a beautifully uh, shaped mountain yeah and then just... Tony kind of drags himself across next to Bob and reaches inside his own wound and then by the time that they're both dead from blood loss on the wall <laughs> a beautiful painting a beautiful painting in red painting. oh my god as well... the music swells up can we use that? I'm sure we could use that. I'm sure that's got to be like BBC free. <laughs> well, yeah, it's BBC. We paid for it. So yeah, we paid for that music. Damn right, we paid music. for it. That's the gallery music, by the way, from uh, from Tony Hart's uh, TV programs. In case anyone was wondering, I know in Bob... case no one could uh, understand what the hell we were making a lot of noise about. <laughs> I know Bob Ross's music would be free because he was on PBS. Ah, so uh, yeah. Yeah, public broadcasting. <laughs> So that's it. I mean, oh, we... shit, they were both on public broadcasting services too. Yeah, they were. They're just the same guy. I mean, we're gonna have to take a you know a, a look at this and, and maybe come back in future with some explorations. I don't want to make them fight again. I don't want to make them fight again. Sweet. Maybe there's like you know a, a, like a Mexican version or like some sort of like Turkish Tony Hart, and we can start building up like a picture. But <laughs> Roberto Ross. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Roberto Rosso. I don't know, but. Yeah, we've picked exactly the same weapon. We 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 didn't know what we were gonna we were gonna choose. I I assumed that you were gonna pick a palette knife, and I was gonna get you. With, no. With, <laughs> no man, he you knows were... he knows you can't take a palette knife to a knife fight. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past him being pretty handy with a palette knife though. Yeah. So shit, you know what this means? We got a draw. The snakes really did win. The snakes won. Motherfuckers. <laughs> And there you have it, two great titans of the art world, 
a piece together. It's kind of beautiful. Isn't it, it is. It is beautiful. Yeah. yeah, and I would love to be the one who stumbled across that. I fucking wouldn't. It sounds horrific. Yeah, it does actually sound horrific. The, the, the scene itself is yeah. horrible. Yeah, imagine walking in on two of your childhood art heroes <laughs> dead. Like two of the of the childhood art heroes that I can still like now. Yeah, yeah, because, oh, absolutely. Because yeah. a lot of them. I mean, these these were like pinnacles of of, of education and entertainment. Oh, Not yeah. like many of the others like, as they've turned out to be. I, I just remember Bob Ross from like half past nine on a Sunday afternoon on. Uh, sorry, half past nine on a Sunday morning on like Channel Four, just yeah. weirdly turning up and yeah. Happy little, happy little tree. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, just want to give our thanks because um, today we have, or well, I have anyway, listened to the first time our, our theme music, which was made by producer Kath. Damn right, proper music. Thank you, producer Kath. Thank you very much, producer Kath. Uh, we'd also like to thank uh, Rihanna and Thomas, obviously, uh, for her wonderful art criticism um, for us that got us nowhere in the fight eventually. But no, but we couldn't have done it. We definitely could <laughs> not have done that. Um, if you want to check out her artwork. Um, her website is mogledoo.com. That's M-O-O-G-L-E-D-O-O.com. It's kind of a lot of sweet sort of seaside stuff. Like, mm. yeah, pretty nice works. But yeah. Nice abstract stuff. Yeah, I really like it. Yeah. Um, and we've got all of our social medias the set social up now. Meads. The social meds. Um, if you want to uh, see the artwork from today's episode and other weird photographs that we might post up related to fight news etc you can follow us on instagram uh, at we make things fight that's at we make things fight on instagram uh or you can follow us on twitter at make underscore fight that's at make underscore fight uh you, you can find us on facebook um and we make things fight podcast and you can email us at we make things fight at gmail.com so if you've got any fight suggestions, any fight requests, send them in to us via email is probably the best place to do it. Um, one question we'll answer straight off the bat, though. We're not fighting any famous fucking paedophiles. Yeah, we've we've been literally, uh, we've had a sort of, uh, like by this point now, a teaser trailer up and we've kind of recorded the first episode. And we've already started to have requests to fight famous paedophiles. Like, we're literally not going to do that. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's for the best that we don't. We, we're still thinking about serial killers, though, right? <laughs> we'll, we'll have a serious discussion about whether we're going to do serial killers at some other point. We need to pitch it right um, so that we're not aggrandizing these fuckers. But yeah. no, we cannot make paedophiles funny. <laughs> Nobody should try. We're not going to. Nobody wants to. Um, yeah, so that's it. Like I said, follow us on all of the social medias and uh, do let us know if you want to see any particular fights or if you have any suggestions or anything that you would like to know about us or the show. And as always, I'm Matt Troy. I'm Drew Davis, and we've left you with a beautifully depressing tablet. Yeah, slow zoom out on our two dead artists. God damn it.